What is crack-a-lackin' Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Pavalli coming at you with the ever-fantabulous BS meter extraordinaire, Grant Hughes. Our division look-ahead train, or it's a free agency look-ahead train, because remember, they're not previews or primers, they're look-aheads. It rolls onward. We are on to the central division. Uh, this is going to be a fun division because all of them have been fun, and you might be listening to the, your first podcast of a two-podcast day. That's how you know that we're nuts and we don't care about ad revenue. We just want to get the podcast out. Grant, the most important question, though, is how are you doing? I mean, uh, ordinary people are doing fine and keep the world going around, but it's the true legends that are whatever. I can't remember what Kyrie tweeted yesterday, but it's my new favorite thing that I'm going to say just all the I'm going to fit it in all the time. I'm doing it's, great. It's us publishing two podcasts probably in the same in the same day. That's probably it. That's probably what he was referring to. Right. Normal people keep the world going, but those who are dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. Us Absolutely. Putting out two bunkers in the same day. <laughs> uh, as the brief refresher here, and um, for anyone who's new, hasn't listened to the other ones, you should check those out. Number one, we aim to do 10 minutes or less on each team. That has gone wildly off the rails with the Atlantic Division and also the Southwest Division. It will not be happening with the Central Division because Grant and I are committed to you know keeping this to under eight hours. So we'll put 10 minutes on the clock to talk about every team's free agency vitals. I'll list those off and we'll just get into a discussion about what our biggest needs are, priorities, questions, this and that, and prospective targets, which is what everyone wants to hear because this podcast has already been aggregated a couple of times with targets that Grant and I were throwing back and forth. So there you go. That's, look, do I need to quote? Where's that quote again? Let me read it with our, with our <laughs> targets. We're going alphabetically, which we've been stellar at. We're going to continue to live, live dangerously though. The Chicago Bulls, are now on the clock. Their key free agents are Zach Levine, who uh, is going to get a lot of money. Derek Jones Jr., they have early bird rights on him. Tony Bradley has not done anything with his player option as of this recording, and he has until June 29th to do so. Troy Brown Jr. is restricted, and they have non-bird free agents in Matt Thomas and Tristan Thompson. No notable non-guarantees for me on this roster. Uh, the most notable extension candidates are Nikola Vucevic. I imagine they will probably not give him one, but that's besides the point. Kobe White. And then they have the Daniel Tice trade exception, which expires on July 7th. It's worth $5 million. Their best spending tool projects to be, even with a max penciled in for Zach Levine, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception valued at $10.3 million. Grant, what are you looking for from the Bulls? What do they need? What are you watching? What is just ruminating in your brain? About yeah, just like the the 30,000 feet view is, you know, they're a playoff team and looked like more than that at, at points last year early on before it kind of went sideways and, and and that had a lot to do with injuries and Lonzo Ball still I think they're not sure he, he's not looking great with that knee that was operated on so um, you can kind of look across the roster for what they need help with and it depends on how healthy Ball is and Caruso can stay healthy this year um, they have some decent guard depth if everything shakes out right I think they still need you know defensive forward help some shot blocking a defensive upgrade on Nikola Vucevic um and shooting is is always going to matter um and you know depending on what happens with pat williams development they might need another kind of defensive focused wing or big forward so uh quite a few needs there but obviously the first thing and you mentioned it is uh what are we going to do with zach levine eligible for 212 ish million i think over five years um We've come a long way since we were making fun of the Kings for offering him four years and 70 or whatever. I, I vividly remember that. And boy, yeah, way wrong, way wrong on that. 
Um, Vucevic is also eligible for an extension, which is kind of funny to imagine that that I don't imagine, think is going to happen. Um, you know, you could galaxy brain it and say they want to preserve a salary slot or, or whatever by keeping him at a certain number. But uh, I would look to trade him as, as the first option uh, if I had to choose between extension and, and doing something else. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're going to have like a decent number of targets because uh, if you're looking for defensive forwards and wings that you're not super concerned about the shooting, you can find those. Um, the reverse is trickier. So um, I don't know if you want to get into targets yet or if you have some more kind of big picture thoughts on the Bulls. I actually was wondering if this team is a more important trade team for the reasons you're mentioning about Vooch and even having Kobe White be extension eligible. And I think what hamstrings them is they don't have all these future firsts to turn around and uh, trade now. Uh, you can you have your – I think the first allowable draft pick they can move is in 2027 right now, and that's assuming the obligation to San Antonio conveys. And so you could look at it, all right, well, there's the car driven off the lot thing, but Dalen Terry is still going to be interesting, and he might bring some of the wing depth that they need, but how big of a role do you expect a rookie to play on a team that has aspirations? And so can you even build – is, does Pat, basically, does Patrick Williams have enough mystique to get you enough of an upgrade to where you're a substantially better team? And I know this has been billed as a Rudy Gobert team. I don't hate the idea, but I don't love the idea of Rudy Gobert and DeMar DeRozan in the same half-court offense. And right. DeMar DeRozan's great, but uh, the, the, the spacing could get a little wonky there, I would think. And then you go through what else they would need. The other thing is, how do you go from Vooch I guess, is it easier to get an upgrade at this point? Is that a misallocation of assets to try and upgrade from Vooch at this point? Um, I I would argue that you don't need to go the Rudy Gobert route. It's if you want to get a different center, can Vooch be part of a larger trade where you're either breaking him up into different players or is there just a different archetype of player that you, like if they really wanted, you know, this is just an example and the Kings don't need him, but Harrison Barnes and there's a three-team deal where you send out Vooch and then you could just send, you could sign a bigger, like a big, excuse me, you could sign a big on the cheap. That feels like the route they could go. The trade market also doesn't feel conducive to them making a move like that because, as I mentioned, I don't love Rudy Gobert for Chicago. They're not going to be a Johns Collins team. They're not a DeJounte Murray team. Maybe the trade market develops in some way that we haven't seen just yet, but they sort of need like the the not superstar, fringe star guy to become available who just makes a ton of sense for the roster. Yeah, I think, you know, First of all, in, in contrast to the our takes on the Zach Levine, uh, his last deal, I feel like I was in, like right away and very vehemently against the trade that brought Vucevic over from Orlando just because of the pick equity they gave well, up. And it was like, I, let's cap ourselves at a six seed type of type of move. I was as well, and Bulls fans were pretty livid with anyone who was against it, but I think they're starting to. And that's not a shot at Bulls fans. Like Vuce was a really good player, but the amount they gave up for him was yeah. A lot. Well, and now here we are talking about like, well, how I'll do we get on the spot? So I just, you know, I, because we have to send every center to the Hornets, like maybe, and and not that Vucevic would solve any of the Hornets problems defensively in the middle, but he would, you know, be an upgrade over presumably Plumley and or playing rookies. Um, you could send him there. I think like a, something involving Kelly Oubre. Oubre is the type of, you know, positional need, I think that would make sense. Um, but yeah, it just, again like we're looking at ways to move the guy that you gave up two firsts to get not that long ago which is a problem the other thing you could do is vooch plus smaller salary x for gordon hayward 
Yeah, I thought about that too. I mean, I that 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 plus Levine's commitments going forward, at least for next year, makes it kind of ugly salary cap wise. But but yeah, I mean, Hayward actually would make more sense positionally, assuming you could backfill the Vooch slot with like a minimum guy that is a defense focused center that wouldn't, you know, would be far less of a commitment. I also don't know. It's tough for them to get to the money now for more mid-end trades since you're not going to move Lonzo and then Vooch is making 22, but uh, Marcus Morris Sr., if he's not moved, maybe that's a name that they revisit in the middle of the year when presumably they'll have other mid-end contracts. Before I get ask you about free agent targets, what do you think Zach Levine ends up signing? I predicted the full five years with a player option is what he'll get. Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, and they should offer. If they don't offer that, Like they, they just don't have... Zach Levine's really good, and there are teams yeah. that would give him a max deal right now. And if I was just curious whether he might want to re-explore free agency in 25 when the money TV money is supposed to hit, but he's coming. He's had injury problems in the past and is coming off left knee surgery now. If I were him, I would take the full five years as well. Yeah, I mean, I think they. I wouldn't be surprised if they started without the player option, and he said like, "No, give me it," and that was a quick. <laughs> you got it, you know, quick negotiation. That feels like a sticking point that it's so far down the line and, and whatever it seems, teams always try to do that, I think, or should try to do that. Um, but yeah, I think just, I, I kind of always view this level of signing through the prism of like, if you got to trade this guy in two years, how tough is that going to be at that number? And even with the, you know, the decline in injury and athleticism concerns that are all sort of baked in there together. I, I don't think, I don't no. feel like this is going to wind up being, you know, the, a Russell Westbrook contract or like a, you know, Tobias Harris, Blake Griffin. Like there's, it's not that level. I don't think of, of risk. And he's still, I mean, Tobias Harris is young too, but like this is deal only takes him through his early thirties. Uh, yeah. Any free agent targets that you thought about for them? Um, I, I'm trying to think of guys that sort of fit the bill of, you know, they're sort of like what, they hope Patrick Williams becomes, and there just like, aren't that many guys because what they hope Patrick Williams becomes is an extremely valuable player. Right. Um, but I, you know, I, I want defense. I think that's just going to be important if you're going to have DeRozan in your front court, essentially as like a three slash four. So Kyle Anderson is someone I thought of Juan Toscano Anderson of the Anderson targets um, just as like versatile defenders who are going to help on that end. And, and both of those guys can play make a little bit too. So I think, think that's like a nice added bonus um if you do end up having guard health and depth issues again um the other the flips at pj tucker obviously i think makes a ton of sense but i i just doubt all things being equal he's going to take the bulls mle versus someone else's like miami's or phillies um the other two are more like just let's get some shooting and that's bryn forbes and malik monk um i don't know where all those guys would fit in the tax but you know assuming the bulls are just the full mle team if any of those guys justify the full mle other than tucker um but they have that tool to use and you could you don't have to use all of it so do you think they would be and apologies if i missed him you said it do you think they'd be a good tj warren team i didn't mention him um i think tj warren like if the money's right is a good risk for basically anybody um just because he's like a fringe star at the, one of the most valuable positions there is if if it works and if you can get him for 10 ish million then you know I, I yeah so yes short answer yes i would love to see chris boucher on this team but unless you're moving vooch i don't think you funnel the full mle to someone who he can play next to vooch but he plays your best uh, not your best cent like 
you're, for a backup center. You don't want to spend that. So maybe a Dwayne Dedman or what does Mo Bamba cost? Like these would be a good destination for them. It's tough to find wings. I am wondering, and you made me think about this yesterday, actually, given the setup and with who Memphis drafted, is Kyle Anderson all of a sudden an MLE candidate? And like, he doesn't bring the shooting, but like you talk about someone you need to move around based off what happens with Patrick Williams or what happens with Dalen Terry. Like that is someone who would work really well. I mean, Anderson and DeRozan on the same team is just like, I can't even, I, I don't I don't know that I want to see that in the half court, but to DeRozan's credit, even Anderson's like, they always find these crevices of space. Mm-hmm. When it, like the, the Grizzlies weren't booming with operating room for right. Kyle Anderson when he did play last year. So I thought about that name and they're just, they're in a better position than most if you wanted to go after the bigger MLE names because you are supposed to be a good team. But mm-hmm. they probably need more guys who are like plug and play like you outlined. Or maybe you go the Amir Coffee route, depending on what he costs. Or one of the Martin twins would work. It's just the wing market is slim pickings. And if the Bulls are going to make like a, a bigger play, it's going to probably have to happen on the trade market. Yeah, I mean, you'd only do this if you could move Vooch. Uh, but you could look at... And again, I don't know if you want to spend the full MLE on a center that is really there to do limited things, but like, I think Kavon Looney would make sense if you're trying to shore up the defense and add some switchability that Vooch just didn't have, which is again, a priority with someone like DeRozan where you're just kind of putting out fires sometimes. Um, I think Nick Claxton, again, get some shot blocking. Do you want to tie up an offer, you know, your, your money in an offer sheet? If the, if really it's like the MLE is sort of all you have beyond minimums. So um, I mean, there are definitely, I just wanted to hit some of the defense first centers that we basically said are a priority, but didn't, didn't quite get to. That'll do it for the bulls. That brings us up to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Their key free agents are Colin Sexton. He's restricted. They also have uh, Rondo, who is a non-bird free agent. Lamar Stevens has a $1.8 million non-guarantee that guarantees on one seven uh, to that guarantees on january 7th 2023 i my guess is they're just going to fully guarantee that deal because he gave them some good minutes last year uh notable extension candidates include darius garland karis lavert kevin love jetty osmond and dean wade uh they don't have any notable trade exceptions their best spending tool i have it as a non-taxpayer mid-level exception that's assuming that sexton gets like an 18 million dollar deal and in which case per year in which case that's still going to leave them like a little bit more than a million dollars beneath the tax, which isn't a ton of wiggle room with which to work during the regular season. So they very well could end up being a team that doesn't spend all of the MLE, but even after re-signing Sexton, unless he gets way more money than I think Colin Sexton is going to get, they should have that bigger MLE. Uh, I think the first thing to start with here, Grant, is is Colin Sexton back in in Cleveland. And what would you pay Colin Sexton if you were Kobe Altman? Yeah, I'd I'd view him... I'm glad we're finally talking about him because I think he would have made sense in hindsight for several teams. Um, But I would view him as like a high end scoring six man, Um, like really high end because like he averaged, you know, 24 a game a couple of years ago on good efficiency. Um, But to me, that really just is what he does. I don't think he can be like a lead guard that facilitates offensively. I don't think you can play him, you know, at the end of games necessarily, unless you've got really great defensive support. Um, so which, 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 yeah, which, which they might. So I think just in a vacuum, I don't like the idea of going over, like, you know, put it in the 12 to 15 million a year range. I think 20 feels like too much. Um, but 
I, I do think Cleveland is a Cleveland is and isn't a good fit for him um, because you can't really play him with Garland, which is a problem, but you could, like you said, get away with him defensively because of all the length you have at other positions. So um, I guess, I guess I, I don't know. It's a coin flip. I'll just say, I don't expect him to be back. Um, oh, wow. If there's the 12 to 15 million ish range, I think that's doable just because if you look around, I mean, we'll get to them in a minute. They're like a team like the Pistons that just wants some supplementary scoring can just spend on him. You know, the, the caps, you know, Orlando, like doesn't really have a, an efficient scoring guard on the roster. Um, I'm like stepping on what we're going to get to later, but um, I think there are places that could justify spending a little bit more uh, than the Cavs might feel comfortable doing. I would just pay him and figure it out later. I, I just don't know who's going to give him the offer sheet. And I'm under the impression that it'll be like, yeah, it might be 18. I think it'll be sub 20. And it's probably shorter term. I would imagine that he might want to get back into free agency sooner by like have the option of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it's like a two plus one or is it a three plus one, whatever gets him back for that 2025 TV money. Uh, I'm probably a little bit higher on his passing than you are, but I get like the conundrum of you have Darius gone and Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert also might just be gone yeah. uh, after this year. You could trade him. And I would, I would rather extend Colin Sexton than Karis LeVert. Like that is... I'm, I'm, I'm choosing Sexton over LeVert if that's the choice you feel like you have to to make. Uh, they're like the other stuff with this roster that's that's super interesting is they really need, I don't know if it's interesting, but they clearly need shooting. And so Sexton would take care of some of that. And also if it doesn't work out or you want to move him, unless his like deal is bonkers, he could become a trade asset like by the middle of the year um, with the money he's making. Do you expect Darius Garland though to sign an extension? I mean, if I'm the Cavs, I think I would do it. Um, I think the numbers for him would be five for 181. Um, I would you go five 181? I well, I'd do the same thing where I'd try to lock it in for the full because he's young for you know for for his draft class. Um, I'd try to get the five without the player option, and if he pushes back, then maybe you know we can negotiate there. But like just the leap he took last year, I think the way that he works for this team again because of. I really like we haven't even mentioned his name yet, but I think Evan Mobley just sort of allows for you to build with what would otherwise be kind of imperfect players because Garland is mm-hmm. undersized. Um, but you can just sort of get away with a lot of that because of the defensive potential that Mobley is going to bring. And like, you know, Jared Allen's no slouch there either. Um, so I guess knee jerk, I would, I would just go the full boat for him. Um, just knowing that like, you're going to do that for Mobley too, almost certainly. And then there's your two guys basically, but I feel pretty comfortable with that. I'm with you. And I would do what you did try and get it. Like I'm so confident in Garland. Like I want him for the full five years. I don't, I don't want that player option if I'm, if I'm the Cavs. And so I would just expect him to sign one. Uh, They do need, I think their two biggest needs. I'm, I'm curious if you agree are they need, I don't know why I've been calling it this so much lately, but sort of an adult in the room playmaker to back up the, the Garland spot like they had with Rubio. Mm-hmm. last year maybe it's even rubio again although he probably doesn't come back to midseason and then just straight straight shooting and i think they're in a position with mobley if you're not going to trade jared allen though we know that some teams kick the tires on on him where you can just do that irrespective of what they are on defense like just get straight shooting if it's a matter of you have to sign wayne ellington and throw him out there and have him pinball around the half court just just do it yeah, I think Bryn Forbes is like a is one of the best shooters on the market. That's definitely one I think about. But then you're you're small again, so you know if if you bring back Sexton or not, you're still dealing with some undersized stuff. But Forbes, you could stagger him a little bit and kind of figure out ways to make that work. 
Uh, maybe you play him more with Levert. I don't know. Um, there's, there's plenty of shooting. I actually did have Rubio coming back as one of my targets. I think that just makes all the sense in the world for the reasons you mentioned. Um, they yeah, get into, I mean, like you get into trouble because you're not going to, you have Garland, you have sex and you have Levert. You're not spending your MLE on that guy, like that, that type of playmaker. And I don't even know if anything's available on the trade market to them. Could they get like, you know, like I so said, you're not going to sign Tyus Jones. Like even if he was willing to sign, are you really spending that and then paying Sexton? Maybe they could get involved that the Nuggets are really trying to trade Monte Morris. He would be a great fit for yeah. this roster. But you know, you know who's really fun that actually doesn't address almost any of the concerns, but would is Gary Payton. Just because the idea of him and Mobley and Allen on the floor together God. would be just like, I mean, what's your, your is your floor like a top three defense with those three guys? It's <laughs> like I don't. I just think that the havoc that that would create would be a lot of fun. But again, like. Peyton just isn't, isn't that you're, you're adding strength to strength instead of filling up, you know, f- addressing weaknesses with that kind of move. I want them to punt. Look, they're going to sign Rubio. So the, they're, they're punting on a half season roster spot. And then I want them to punt on another half season roster spot with Joe Ingles would be absolutely <laughs> fun on this team too. He would make a ton of, I mean, there's your shooting and your, your adults in the room playmaking all in one, assuming he's, you know, anything close to what he was when he comes back. I, I think my favorite free agent, and this is not an original thought. Um, well, obviously Amir coffee would be sure. my favorite free agent fit for him. Uh, I actually really think, and the two that I have circled, so Gary Harris, who probably fits everywhere, and he's they're still small with him, and he's not long, but like he can defend. He he might cover a larger positional spectrum on defense than Isaac Okoro when you're looking at what he does on the ball. And Okoro's fantastic away from the ball already. Uh, and then I think, and I have a specific one. I'm not just saying the Martin twins. I think Caleb Martin specifically would be a great fit here if you're watching him defensively in, in Miami and can he knock down continue to knock down enough of his threes? He doesn't satisfy the lights out shooting. I don't know if Gary Harris does either because he had like that two or three season span where he was injured and not hitting anything. But last year he looked really good. And so if you're able to get like, they are a team, I would roll the dice on like a full mid-level exception offer for Gary Harris. Mm. That seems high, but it seems high just in general, but I do think you're right that Harris is going to be a target for like, basically everybody just because maybe he's not, like maybe teams are offering him the mini MLE and you're able to go seven. Yeah. Like it's not, the, but I would not hesitate to do that if I'm Cleveland. Yeah. Another guy, the, the shooting is a little, at least at volume is kind of suspect, but depending on what happens with Sexton, if you bring Sexton back, then no, but if you don't and you're not committed to, to Levert long-term, I think DeLon Wright makes sense. Um, just as another, as a bigger backcourt counterpart uh, for, for Garland and, and that can, you know, not, he feels funny to call him like an adult in the room type, like you said, but you know, Dillon Wright came in as a very old rookie and now, you know, he's a, he's a full on veteran now. So um, I think that would be a decent fit there too. I kind of wondered if like I had mentioned Wayne Ellington, but like, can you go get like someone who is just going to come in and chuck threes? And I thought about Matt Thomas is where I'm at. Like, and he's oh, wow. coming off a down season, but like if you're, that's the minimum area, but are you that confident in your defense where you can do something like that, just someone who's going to come in and, and fire up looks um, because I feel like they do need that guy. Yeah. I mean, Ben McLemore, if you really want to go like further down that road of someone that's just only going to come in and shoot, he's, he's more than happy to do that based on his time with the Rockets. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a bunch of different routes that they could go there. It'd be really funny. They're going to end up just signing like defense first people though. Is what's going to, what's going to wind up happening. So um, there, I think, look, they're, I, I know their fans were disappointed in how this is, some of their fans were disappointed. I went on a Cavs podcast 
I did two of them actually. We were talking about how some were calling for bigger staff to get fired after huh. last year. It just that team overachieved, especially relative to injuries. And I think they have, they should spend the full mini M, uh, the full MLE, excuse me. Like they have the means to get better. A trade is different. The final thing I'll say is for trade targets, I'm in big support of like, is there a Kevin Love Gordon Hayward framework there? I know mm. that Kevin Love, everything's good and hunky dory in Cleveland now. Love doesn't fix anything in Charlotte except for the fact that it's a long-term salary cut since Hayward has two more years left. Um, they could also, you know, if San Antonio's really tearing things down, like is there something to build around to get Josh Richardson here who fits in line with the defense, not too much off the dribble work, but he can shoot well enough. Um, those are two names that I have circled for for Cleveland, though, as trade targets. Yeah, those are interesting. I like both of those. Just, I, I, I mean, we shouldn't rule out like, could Kevin Love get an extension for you know way less money just to stay? I, I mean, he's eligible. Yeah, I, I, so I, I want to make it clear, he was really good last year. But at the same time, it's like if you have Mobley and Allen, you don't. What is Kevin Love costing you? Like, if he's your backup big, and then I, I'm almost curious, like if you're going to extend Kevin Love, like it's time to get rid of Larry Markin. I know he was playing a lot of three, mm -hmm. but in Long term, you want to get like a real wing in there. I think marketing sort of rebooted his value enough to where teams would be interested in him at this number, or at least they're not going to view his, you know, he's got like three years and 42 million left on his deal. Um, or excuse me, 52 million left where teams aren't going to view him as like this huge net negative. Maybe they'll view him as net neutral. And also Jetty Osmond's expire is basically an expiring contract because his final year is non-guaranteed. So there are a lot of stuff that they could do on the trade. And look, Karis LeVert's expiring. Like that's someone who just might, if you have Sexton and you think he's healthy, that's might someone who would garner interest from other teams looking for that secondary ball hand. Like if Dallas loses Jalen Brunson, are they going to come calling for him? I don't know what you want. Yeah, Maxi Kleba would be great, but they're not going to give you Maxi Kleba. Imagine Kleba, Mobley, and Allen. Same offense, but that's uh, same that's, defense. We got to get Gary Payton in there if we're going to do that and just go all four defenders with Garland. So I think this is a sneaky team to watch in the trade market was my point. And I don't know which direction they would head, but they're set up to do a bunch of different things if they want to. Let's get into, I feel bad sort of blowing through this team, but what we said about them was dated. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, they went from having like 35 plus million dollars in cash space to they eradicate most of it by taking on Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel after having already taken on Kemba Walker. And they look, they were going to get to the 35 million number after having Kemba Walker's money there. But you get to Nerlens Noel, who was making 9.2 million this year, plus Burks, that's 19 something million. They still like, they're, it's, by the way, Troy Reaver says that they're excited to have both of them there. And I think both those players help and make things easier on some of the younger players, like not having to put as much pressure on Jalen Duran up front with Noel there. Burks is sort of another shot creator and floor spacer to help out with Jay and Ivy and Cade Cunningham. I think if you want to keep those guys, that's fine. Um, but you do have cap space to go out there now if you're Detroit and continue to lean into shooting, maybe take some flyers on some wings. You're not going to be inflating offer sheets now at, at this point anymore. That's again, that's perfectly fine. I think um, what they did really, they, they had one hell of an off season here. Um, they picked up getting Jalen Duran just sort of a, a center of the, of the future prospect. Um, in addition to having Ivy, not having to trade up to get Ivy, by the way, that is just absolutely huge. Um, so that's going to be, that's going to be big time for them. I think having those two players in place, um, I'm stumbling because I'm trying to read something right now, but anyway, so Detroit is still above $20 million in cap space. I believe if they renounce the rights to, Marvin Bagley, who's a restricted free agent, but they can still renounce him. Uh, 
I don't know who that gets you. Like, it's twenty-three million dollars getting Miles Bridges out of Charlotte. Uh, is it getting Anthony Simons out of Portland? I do not think it would. But they still, have, they can still do what they just did with the Knicks, where this time it was only two seconds, one of which was their own next year, I believe. So that's more power to them. This was smart GMing by them. They didn't need a ton of credit for what they did with Cade Cunningham last year. They got the number one pick. Congratulations. He was the no-brainer selection, in my opinion, to begin with. Um, but they've shown some real chops this this offseason alone. Um, the Jeremy Grant trade was kind of panned, but that created the additional flexibility that allowed them to do all these things where you end up with you know, Jalen Duran being part of um, an extension, basically, of that Jeremy Grant trade because of the extra flexibility they had to take on Kemba. Um, they already would have had that flexibility. I get it, but they've just done a lot of interesting maneuvering here. And the fact that they still have cap space after all they've done, they've loaded up on seconds. Um, punting on that Milwaukee first, I don't have a problem with, because you were getting a lottery pick now and filling a need in the process with what was the consensus best center on the board in uh, Duran. I do know that some people thought Mark Williams was a little bit better. Uh, so near consensus. Uh, it's top four pretend for Milwaukee. If Giannis is there, like they're going to be incredible. So I default to that. Um, you didn't give up a ton of value. And look, the Nerlens Noel Burks, yeah, you're absorbing that money. Those are players you could use. Burks is coming off foot surgery. Um, that's fine. He is a very useful player. He was overworked by the Knicks and still came up with some big fourth quarter moments for them in 2020, 2021. I thought fans were too hard on him last year just with the scope of his role and then the makeup of the rest of that roster. I like his fit in Detroit. And those are players you could turn around and probably move for more second round picks depending on what other teams could potentially want from them. Like Nerlens Noel was one of the most underrated players in the NBA for 2020, 2021 didn't have as good of a season last year. I think that has a lot to do with the way the Knicks run their front court and Detroit's built to be a little bit different. Now when you have Ivy and Cunningham and Sadiq Bay and even Burks in the fold, um, you can play four out around uh, your bigs at this point. That helps Noel. That should help Duran. Uh, excited to see this team. Even if Kelly Olenek, if you want to go a little bit bigger in the front court or he's going to stretch the floor, they can also view him as a walking trade exception. Like as of right now, Kelly Olenek for Gordon Hayward would work. And what would the Hornets give you to do that? And there could be similar thinking around if other teams are looking to get off of what would Philly give up if it meant getting off Tobias Harris in such a deal. Uh, he has two more years after this one. So it's a, it's a little bit. No, no, he only has he only has one year after this. So $37.6 million this coming season, 39.3 after. What would what would do they have enough draft equity to make that worth? Um, their while I'm just so super incredibly high on the Pistons future. All I say it all of a sudden, I think Cade really put them on the map there. Um, I think the improvement we've seen with not improvement, but the willingness for Sadiq Bay to delve into his ball skills. He's going to give you some positional malleability. If we're looking at other free agents for them to target, they are sort of light in just the true wing department. You got rid of a bigger wing in Jeremy Grant. You still have Sadiq Bay. Um, and Cade Cunningham, if you want to call him a wing, he is the body of a wing. If you're going to keep, um, I know they declined the team option on Frank Jackson. I haven't seen anything on Hamadou Diallo yet. I'll double check that as we're recording this because that deadline was actually tonight. So, um, they picked up his team option. So you have Hamadou Diallo, but he's not a six, five, like he's not this bigger wing. Um, so you could go that route or you should, excuse me, you should go that route. And so what you're set up to do now, we mentioned this the first time around, is can you inflate the value of contracts for veterans that maybe want to go somewhere else, but they're going to come for you to one or two years because you can give them a windfall that's going to exceed what they get for three or four from another team. Uh, Gary Harris still on the smaller end. He would absolutely work here. 
Um, I liked Victor Oladipo for them at first. I don't really anymore following the acquisition of Alec Burks. You could go, I mean, man, a trade for Kelly Oubre Jr. doesn't do a lot for their shooting, but Amir Coffey, I would love him here. Can they be a TJ Warren team now? He would be borderline perfect for this squad. Uh, Otto Porter Jr., maybe not enough of a true wing. That's another name they could look at. Um, I think I'd probably prefer Caleb Martin over Cody Martin for this team would make a lot of sense. Uh, what does it take? Like, what a Joe Ingles, who won't play in the middle of next season at the earliest, or a 35-year-old Wesley Matthews, did they just consider joining the... The, the fray with a young team, if you can guarantee them uh, some playing time. Uh, the wing market, again, to reiterate, is just so slim, but the Pistons are built to do basically what, whatever they want in like here. And if they want to skew all defense, like and not care about shooting because they're just going to bank on the skill of Cade and, and Jaden Ivey, that's fine too. Maybe you take a look, like if Derek Jones Jr. is available for the minimum, you could go, you could go that route. But I think right now they need to be looking, thinking wings, um, PJ Dozier could be a good one. I don't think they like a, they don't need to be a set. They could be a second draft destination, but like a Kevin Knox, Jared Culver type job, then you're know, still sticking with Josh Jackson. Like that's not going to do it for me. If I'm them, I have wondered if now, do you have like just the requisite defensive juice or physical tools around where you can skew so far all offense that you're looking at a Jordan Mora, um, who's probably better defensively than I'm giving him credit for, or even like a Matt Thomas, just someone who's going to come in and straight Chuck. Uh, Utah Watanabe, if he's healthy, I would love him in Detroit. Like that's a bigger wing. That's a great name for them to look at. Again, not someone who should cost them a ton of of cap space either. Um, they can go so many more directions that they don't need a big. Like they talking about signing a veteran big. You have Nerlens Noel, Isaiah Stewart, Kelly Olynyk, and Jalen Dern. Like you don't need to go after a big now. And that frees you up to do everything. I would have liked Torian Prince here to begin with, but he is off the board. Kyle Anderson defensively. Yes. Offensively. I'm just not sure. Um, could they be a team that gets in the Kenneth Williams sweepstakes? Uh, they're not going to, I don't really love a re reunion with Bruce Brown there. Lonnie Walker could be fairly interesting, but I think he was more interesting if they didn't have an Alec Burks here. They could still, if you like don't trust Killian Hayes or want more of a veteran presence, like could they be a team that gets Tyus Jones? Uh, he could be pesky defensively and he's going to give you some, offensive pizzazz. Those are all names. I know we're regurgitating a lot of names here, but such is the state of the free agency market. And I wouldn't rule out the Pistons from, um, <laughs> Joel music in the chat says calling Jared Culver a negative offensive player, uh, is a compliment coming from a Grizzlies fan. I just want to point out, I was so high on Jared Culver when he was coming out of college. I didn't think there was going to be an issue with him sort of creating separation or, or getting his jumper down. I was, I have very much missed on, uh, <laughs> Jared Culver. That was, that was a bad one uh, for me. So yeah, but the Pistons, like I, I think, look, we've probably, they've probably eliminated themselves and the athletic reported per James Edwards, the third, that they were never sort of in the let's go inflate the market for the Aiton's definitely off the board. Now you could still think about miles bridges. Uh, you might be giving Charlotte a discount if you're offering him something like $23 million a year. You can get to more money though. Like if you're willing to, can you find a home for Burke Burks or Noel? even Kelly Olenek. Um, so you could still do that if you wanted a Simons here, who I wouldn't hate. Post Jaden Ivey, I, I wouldn't be in love with as much. I liked him with K to begin with. Or if you wanted Miles Bridges, again, those are not names that I love for them. So they're not done, and they can they can take on more bad money. Uh, it depends on what the market for that is. Um, but 
they they made out well in the, the Kemba Walker trade, and he was sort of a if it's actual dead money, a player that you're not going to keep who, or who can't really play for you. He was an expiring contract, and they got quite a bit for him. Something I would like to see them do: can they go out and buy, like act as a buyer on the trade market now for a wing with not like you're not trading a future first and you're not giving up a core piece, um, like a Josh Richardson for them. Is that someone who's just is he at all gettable? in in their books and just to sort of just give you that other like truer pure excuse me wing in the rotation i do not know kenrick williams i i mentioned him before um if phoenix is looking to cut cost should they have to resign Aiton or they're worrying about campaigns extension um could you be a jay crowder destination that's someone that i would potentially like here as well i wouldn't mind a terrence ross flyer again after the alec burke signing they are different players um but I think Alec Burks might be better than Terrence Ross defensively at this point. So food for thought there. Um, but is there is there that scenario for them? They would be like, they wouldn't be a good Royce O'Neal team. You'd have to give up too much to to get him. But like, you know, if you had a KCP reunion or a Kyle Kuzma, like I would love one of them for this team. Um, those are players that you have to give up actual value to, to get. I mentioned Kelly Oubre Jr. before. Defensively, like, yeah, for sure. He's not the best defender, but can be moved around the wing spots. What does it cost? to get him um if charlotte's looking like is it just a pick like a lower second round pick or not a lower but a second round pick because charlotte's going to cut payroll after um signing miles bridges that would be interesting i also look kelly Olenek for gordon hayward like if charlotte's attaching something to that i would i would totally i would totally consider it but the uh kelly Oubre jr model is an example so that's someone that maybe they they could look at via trade um Houston needs to cut bodies, but they're sort of lower on wings too. Like you don't like a flyer on David Nwaba or Sterling Brown. I don't know that that's going to do much for this team. It would be funny if they were just someone, if Houston wanted to offload um, Eric Gordon and they decided to go that route. Um, Indiana is treating Malcolm Brogdon like an asset. Otherwise you could maybe make the case for them. I don't know if like the Clippers aren't going to be offloading Marcus Morris senior. And I don't even know if the Pistons would want Marcus Morris senior. Um, let's face, let's face that he, yeah, I, he would be good, but like that, and that's also just not sort of a, a true wing as well. And, and it's sort of the, how it's like the, it's been there sort of done that type deal. Um, and, unless I'm forgetting that he didn't play, no, he did play. He was there for two seasons. Good. I'm not misremembering. That's why I was stammering. So, uh, but the Pistons are set up to do so much. I'm a lot higher on their future and I was already fairly high just based off of having Cade Cunningham there and showing just the mechanisms through which they've traveled this off season um, and still being so flexible after all this, like that's the thing is they're still so flexible and there's just a bunch of different things that they could do. If they really want, again, if you don't trust Killian Hayes and like new Orleans is looking to get off Devontae Graham, like do you take a flyer on him? If he's attached to a little bit of an asset, like there's just, there's just so many different routes they could go. I'm sorry to be so fascinated by the Pistons now, but just, a home run off season so far for them. If we look back and we grade these teams and look at winners and losers, uh, they're going to be, they're going to be one of the biggest winners and probably get just one of the, the highest grades. And look to round out the podcast, the Knicks are expense, expected to offer Jalen Brunson a four year deal in the range of $110 million. So that is not his max, but over four years, you're looking at between 27 and 28 a year. The Mavs were reportedly willing to go about five years and 110. So where I was at was correct for a change. I'm normally wrong. The Knicks are giving Brunson over four 
what the Mavericks were willing to go essentially over five. That is a big difference for Jalen Brunson. Gets a more prominent role. Don't love the fit. Um, thank you for everyone who... Oh, Jolt Music. Oh, Kuzma would be awesome for the Pistons. Yeah, so I'm just... What do you give up if you're the Pistons? Maybe Washington's scared um, of his free agency. I think it's more likely if there was a, a three-team deal where they're trying to get somebody else and the inbound team there doesn't want him or something. It's just... I'm not giving up actual, like a ton of value for these guys, which is why I thought Josh Richardson might be more attractive because I don't know how much the Spurs are going to value him. And it's also why Jay Crowder, it seems like Phoenix is all of a sudden, he's topsy turvy, but it seems like Phoenix, Phoenix is all of a sudden, like not as high on him, just reading between the lines there. I did think, not a wing. Uh, would you hate Doug McDermott with the Pistons? Um, I don't know that I would hate him. Like there's maybe there's some overlap, but there's not overlap with Kelly. Like you want a shooter, like a movement shooter and some guy who could finish off cuts. He'd be interesting. I'm not sure if I'm that excited to see how the Indiana Pacers offseason plays out. Uh, key free agents, Ricky Rubio, TJ Warren, Jalen Smith, and Lance Stevenson, who's a non-bird. Notable non-guarantees. O'Shea Brissett is a $1.8 million team option. They should have picked that up eight years ago. Dwayne Washington Jr., and Terry Taylor basically have 1.6 million non-guarantees that will guarantee in early July. Notable extension candidates on this team. Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Goga Batadze has apparently been in the league for three years already. <laughs> uh, they have some notable trade exceptions too that if they wanted to use cap space, they need to renounce. But Doug McDermott, 7.3 million expires July 7th. And then the Jeremy Lamb trade exception, 10.5 million that expires February 8th, 2023, right around the trade deadline. Their best spending tool, if they want to get rid of those trade exceptions, would be 25 plus million in cap space. They are not being talked about as a team that could go out there and try and inflate the value of free agents, which I do find not odd because Indy's not a free agency destination, but like you could make a case that Miles Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, or Anthony Simons are all good fits there. Ayton predicated on, okay, well, what's happening to, to Miles Turner? Um, the last note on them, though, is. There was the report right around the draft. I think Woj said it that they're looking to reshape the roster and actually rebuild with Rick Carlisle there. And so that means Brogdon's gone. That means Miles Turner should be gone probably as well. And that, I don't know, makes it less likely that you use your cap space to be aggressive on some of the younger guys in free agency. Um, maybe they're more of a cap space dumping ground. Um, but this feels like it's going to be a highly active offseason because they're a team with cap space that has two to three players when you look at Buddy Heald that are almost guaranteed to move if you're really going the the wholesale rebuilding route. Yeah, they're a hard team to figure out. In a lot of ways, some of what we said about the Pistons applies to them because of the cap, cap space, because of the options that creates. The, a difference, though, is that, like you said, there are some real tradable pieces that you know are on decent numbers contract-wise with Turner, Brogdon, and Heald that you know, you're not sweetening those, I don't think, to get off maybe any of them. Um, maybe he go back and forth on Brogdon three years, yeah. 67.6 is like the idea that he, they were going to get a lottery pick for him. Like the wizards at 10 yeah. or the Knicks at 11. I mean, I know it's the Knicks, but, and I mean, it's the Knicks, but I, <laughs> that's like, what are you giving up for Mal? I would give up expiring salary if I really wanted him. Sure. Or shorter contracts, I guess. But would you give up a first, like, let's say a top 18 protected first rounder for Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, it depends on how desperate I am for the help at that position. I mean, the idea of Brogdon when healthy is a really good player. I mean, he's a starting caliber combo guard um, that just, the, the, if healthy, has been. Brogdon when healthy is, yeah. you know, the white. It's but like, yeah. The thing, the thing, though, like that relates to 
so it's hard to pin down like, yeah, they've said they're leaning into the rebuild and like the Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis trade might make you think that that's the direction it's going, but like, that's just a good trade period because, you know, it's arguable that Halliburton well, certainly is a better use of your resources based on contract stuff. Not, but, but like you could just make the case that this year Halliburton will be a more helpful player to winning than Sabonis would have been like, that's not a ridiculous thing to say potentially going forward. So it's hard to know like what direction they're signaling they're going. Um, I guess for me, like I'm sort of treating them like the Pistons in terms of, yeah, whatever you want to do for a young talent acquisition, if that includes restricted free agency, great. But in addition, you got to trade these veterans. I think, I think they're sort of a two pronged, you know, off season approach that they need to embrace. What do you think of, I think my my most favorite Anthony Simons destination aside from Portland. I'm not even sure if Portland's my absolute favorite destination for him, but is San Antonio if they keep Dejounte Murray, which our yeah. podcast nearly blew up on the Southwest Division is after we recorded it because of, I, know. I know. Once Jake Fisher said that he's hearing the same thing and the Hawks thinks he's close, I'm like, fuck. Jake Fisher said it. It's it's over. <laughs> uh, the Pacers, like, is that even if you are rebuilding, he's 23. Is that not enough? I consider Halliburton as someone who can develop into a lead playmaker, but do you view Simons and Halliburton as not enough, maybe lead ball handler playmaking um, types to, to make that your sort of backcourt of the future? Yeah. I mean, uh, Halliburton averaged over nine assists when he was with the Pacers last year. So I think his offense for them was pretty good too. Yeah. I think I don't, I don't have any real reservations about giving him the ball, um, especially if you're rebuilding and just like get these reps and see what happens. Simons, Simons is a tricky fit uh, like everywhere except next to Murray because there's your, you, you know, your defensive counterpart just fits perfectly. And, and so I don't know how much I like him and Halliburton uh, together, but like what I do, I actually do kind of like Halliburton and, and Ben Matherin because you've got the off ball guy running around shooting that's super athletic and, and strong and could project physical tools wise to be a really good defender and Halliburton is your like finesse shooter playmaker. I like on the ball stuff. I like their, they, they'd seem to me as kind of the lonely projectable cornerstones, you know, of the Pacers that I don't want to mess with, you know, do whatever else you want to the roster. But I like those two together pretty well. I'd probably steer clear of miles bridges unless you're going to keep miles Turner. I just feel like you're going to need like a really good five. What have you made of the, and there would need to be other, actually there wouldn't need to be other moving parts involved. What have you thought? And they're probably, I'm sure Phoenix would want. What have you thought about the DeAndre Ayton sign and trade for Turner sort of framework that's been out there? Yeah, I I I kind of like it. Um, I, I guess I guess I have reservations about giving Ayton the max if that's if that's what we're talking about to do this. But um, in terms of like a return for Turner, I don't think you're going to do better. Um, like if the reason he's still on the roster is you know people were concerned about the post-surgery we're going to give up we won't give up a first for him i mean getting the number one overall pick who's averaged a double double every year of his career has held up you know in against the switch heavy demands of playoff basketball um i think eight and the idea of Aiton and halliburton together is very appealing to me as a pick and roll combo um so i think if if that if the Aiton for turner sign and trade is on the table i think that's probably the first place i'm looking if i if i'm if i'm the pacers are there any 
free agents who wouldn't cost a shit ton of money that you think make make a lot of sense for the Pacers? <laughs> That's harder. I mean, I, I really did have them kind of going big fish first and then kind of working the rest out later. Um, I don't know, like any really like TJ Warren coming back seems semi unlikely, but depending on what kind of roster you're trying to build, bringing him back in, if assuming the Pacers know more about his sort of medical prognosis than anybody. And um, you could technically view him as if you're not going to save your cap space, maybe as a human trade exception, if you're spending it elsewhere and then you have him on a short-term deal and you know, he doesn't fit your timeline, but teams would want him if he's healthy for sure. Yeah. I think, I think almost every guy they consider signing should be with an eye towards what might we be able to flip him for at the deadline, just because you're preserving your optionality. If you want to add veterans that could help you, you know, chase the eighth playoff spot or 10th, I guess now, or whatever, um, but preserve the opportunity to just like really, really go full tear down, uh, like partway through the season. So like someone like Gary Payton threads the needle. I'm going to just keep mentioning him because I like him next to Halliburton. And then as long as he stays healthy and if the Pacers just aren't any good and they don't want to be any good, you could definitely trade him to a playoff team because he just proved like in the postseason he's going to be able to stay on the floor and make a difference. I had them like, I think they just probably need to whatever it's without knowing what happens with Turner Brogdon. It's so hard to pin because they're going to need a big. Yeah. And if they're moving Turner and it's not for Deandre Ayton, like, all right, who's that big? You have Isaiah Jackson and Gogo Bataza. You're going to need another one. I had like Kyle Anderson penciled in for this team. It's just like, he's not going to ruin your timeline, even though he's older for it. And you just need like a bigger body to move about like the three and the four spots. I know he's mostly a four now. Doesn't provide much in the way of shooting for them. But if Buddy Heald is still on this roster and Brogdon and Halliburton and Turner are still on the roster, um, if you're looking to just thread that needle, like see what you uh, like have for the start of next season, that's the plan. And you have the cap space to be like, all right, like, fuck it. We can give him a little bit more than the non-taxpayer MLE over a shorter term. Maybe he takes it with the promise of a bigger role. I just don't know. There, the We went through the restricted free agents, but there aren't even like a ton of interesting cheaper young free agents in this year's class like i thought about jordan mora for them would be like fairly interesting um jalen noel if minnesota declines his team option i'm not sure what they're going to to do with that Uh, but it's just like that's how barren the the market is right now so they could be you know maybe a i don't want to say a lower end kyle anderson but better stop gaps could be juan Toscano anderson who's just cheaper and you know that you can move him around the the positional spectrum um I just don't know what they're going to – I just don't – I feel like this is – if I had to predict, and this is kind of where I guess this conversation needs to head, I think both Brogdon and Turner will be traded this summer. I think this is the offseason that it they take the stick of dynamite in full. The, the Sabonis – I know there's been other reports, but the Sabonis trade showed me that they're willing to do something seismic. Yeah. And I, I think they follow through with it this offseason. I, I think I think I probably agree. What do you think – I mean, this goes the – total opposite direction but what do you think about a deal built around gordon hayward and miles turner everybody loves the homecoming angle but certainly charlotte would i think solve a lot of problems doing that but is it just a question of how much sweetener do you need coming from charlotte and because look turner's expiring too so it's not like you can really ask for the moon just to take on hayward's money um but do you have you have you thought about that at all have you seen that what are your thoughts on that yeah, I've, I've thought about it, and I just don't know what if Charlotte includes a sweetener at this right. point because the Hayward money, and he, there's a chance like he makes you too good to maybe mm-hmm. be where you want to be, but his fit on the roster is genuinely intriguing. 
Um, and then from Charlotte's perspective, and this is the problem I ran into with Phoenix. They don't want to pay Aiton, and they don't seem like they want to pay any big more than like 20 million. Turner's not necessarily going to be cheaper. He'll be cheaper than Aiton. I don't think he's getting the max, but like that's probably someone who's still getting 20 plus, I would guess, yeah. unless something drastically changes. So I don't know how Charlotte would value him. I think the more popular framework has been does Kelly Oubre Jr., PJ Washington, and something get you Miles Turner? And even then for Indy, it's like, well, Oubre works. Like, could definitely fit on. I don't know. I feel like Rick Carlisle, he's someone Rick Carlisle might strangle, but yeah. uh, you're doing that trade for PJ Washington and then the something. And is that enough for Miles Turner? If and when he gets traded, I'll be fascinated to see what his value is because it feels like that there's been division there with him for quite some time. It's very much complicated by the fact that next offseason, if Turner plays well, like we've all, we already talking about him as a big that fits a lot of places just because of the stretch and the shot blocking. Like you really might be renting him with the, like the best outcome being you're going to have to pay him close to 30 million a year to keep. Cause I do think there'll be a pretty robust market for him. If, if he's not terrible next year, I will say, I would love to see this be like if they were willing to play him. And I don't think that Rick Carlo would be, let's make this a Kevin Knox team. Just to yeah. throw him out there. Someone, I just want someone to play Kevin Knox 25 minutes a game for like, you know, 25 straight games just to just to see what happens. And I don't think the Pacers are that team, but it seems like they're certainly going to have the timeline and flexibility to experiment with that. Anything else from you on on them? Jared Culver, maybe? Like, is this a second draft Jared Culver team? Third any draft these, Jared Culver team? Any of these potential rebuilders should all be the second second draft guys. I, I mean, like, and and the injury question mark guys, PJ Dozier, you know, guys like that, I think, are all all in play. Troy Brown Jr. would be possibly interesting here. Definitely not enough of a proven, like, his shot selection would probably not be, he's, it's not great, and he's an unproven shooter. But, yeah, I'm with you, that they should be among the teams that are looking for these second draft guys. The final team in the Central Division, which could end up being, like, incredibly fascinating or not fascinating at all, uh, depending on how you look at it. Their key free agent, Serge Ibaka, Bobby Portis has a player option that I don't think he's declined as of yet, but they have early bird rights on him and he's expected to return. Uh, Jordan Mora, early bird restricted free agent. Wesley Matthews is a non-bird and so is Javon Carter. Both of those guys, by the way, are players they should look at bringing back. They don't really have any notable non-guarantees. There's Luca Vildoza, uh, 1.8 million is non-guaranteed to opening night. Ray John Tucker has 650K guaranteed and then fully guarantees at 1.8 the last day of the moratorium. Notable extension candidates, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez are both eligible for extensions. The one that's more interesting to me, Pat Connaughton shocked everybody because we just, we've been going through this wing free agency market for quite some time now. Him opting into 5.7 million when he could have gotten almost double that just based off the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, maybe even more because the Bucks can offer him more. He's extension eligible. Um, I would just predict that he's getting a four-year extension that's worth it's a hundred it starts at 120% of the league's average annual salary. Last year's average annual salary in 2020-2021 was 10 million. So that should be higher now, or at least around there. So he could get into the four-year 60 million dollar range, guaranteeing him over the next five is five years and like let's say 66 million. Maybe that's more than he could have gotten in it's definitely more than he could have gotten in some. Uh, on the open market. So I would expect that. That I just thought when I saw him opt in, I was surprised. No notable trade exceptions. And their best spending tool is the mini MLE. I have in parentheticals the question of, but will they use it? Mm. How so much does it suck you that you have to ask me? that question? <laughs> That's tough. I hate that. And they, look, I mean, they, I, I guess it's to their credit, they 
uh, they finished inside the tax this past year, but they're like, as of right now, and yes, there's, they don't have a ton of roster spots actually filled on guaranteed contracts. They are inside $7 million of the tax when you pencil in like the minimum contract holds. That's a number. We talked about this with the Nuggets where team governors are going to look at it and be like, well, you know, like, could we get, could we get under that? And they have these contracts that I'm sure they don't necessarily want where it's George Hill, 4 million. And then Grayson Allen feels like he was signed to be a trade piece later on when you look at his 9.4 million dollar number, but they're planning on bringing back Bobby Portis and that's just going to skyrocket your tax bill anyway from there. So my, my guess is I I'm prepared for them not to use it because they're going to look at, Oh, well we're paying Portis and still in the tax anyway. They absolutely, this is without question. They absolutely should use it. Yeah. I, I just, I think they gotta, because like just looking at, I don't think you can go in, you know, Middleton's absence kind of exposed a lot of things where if he's healthy for the full playoff run, maybe, maybe like we're just talking about the bucks having repeated and it doesn't really matter that much that like Wes Matthews, just the second he put the ball on the floor, like the, the probability of a good outcome, like went to zero, like Grayson Allen, I, you know, kind of got bumped out of the rotation for defensive reasons. Like Connaughton just can't be your only reliable reserve rotation. I, I will say Wesley Matthews was probably too important to the Bucks last year. That's but what he, I mean. played, he held him a lot better defensively than I thought. Someone who didn't begin the season on the roster. Shout out to the Lakers. I don't know why they like <laughs> why they didn't resign him, but please carry on. I apologize. No, that's just it. He was too important. Like you can't. That's not. That's not what you want as a as a title contender. Again, maybe it doesn't matter because everybody moves down the pecking order if Middleton is healthy, um, and, and you, you're not having to consider like, wow, we really got, you know, Allen and and Matthews out there together. Like this isn't. This is not a solid, you know, title winning team. So the tax pyramid level. I don't know if it gets you the types of guys they need. Like your Gary Harris, your you know Daniel House. You probably would get Otto Porter. Don't think so. Otto Porter is the like I yeah. have his name written inside a heart for the Bucks and the, other teams. But like Otto Porter is like the perfect free agent. If he's only costing the mini MLE, the Warriors better be resigning him. Yeah. But maybe I think they can probably promise him a bigger role in Milwaukee. I also think you've noted that Otto Porter's ideal role is not a bigger role. It's what the Warriors were able to do with him this past season. Right. Yeah. I think, I think there is major downside risk with him and positionally like to, Porter really is a four. So you, I love the idea of like Giannis and Porter, you know, as a center power forward combination, but if you are going to commit quite a bit to Bobby Portis, I think you can correct me. I think because they've got early bird, they can start a new deal at around 11 million a year. Um, so I, I mean, like that's a decent commitment. He's played well for them unless you're going to trade Brooke Lopez, which maybe we can talk about, um, how likely that is, how effective that'll be in getting talent you need. Um, it's kind of harder for me to, I, I love Porter almost everywhere. I think he would upgrade the team, but like he's a four and, and I don't know if that's gonna, that doesn't feel replacing say West Matthews with Otto Porter. I'm not sure changes a ton just because I don't know how well Porter is going to hold up against wings defensively. Um, it doesn't, I think it improves your playoff lineup packages to when you probably need to downsize more with Giannis. No doubt. No doubt. What do you think about, do you have other targets? Do you want to talk about Lopez? Cause if we're going to improve the roster via trade, like he's pretty much the guy. Yeah. The targets I had would be Amir coffee was on there. Uh, I had Daniel house as well. This would be a great TJ Warren team. I actually, now I'm thinking about it, maybe you mentioned him. 
Um, so yeah, that's it's like the same type of guys. I wouldn't mind if you were looking for like the we're talking about the idea of Otto Porter, just go for the minimum guy and want Toscano Anderson. Let's mm-hmm. just continue pillaging Warriors free agents and we'll right. go with um Damian Lee, who I just feel like the way he moves off the ball and can shoot and is better defensively than a lot of other minimum, I would argue minimum like he's gonna be better defensively now than a Kent Baysmore, is my point. Mm-hmm. So that like I would look at that, but yeah, I think I don't think they would. This dovetails with this. I wanted to know if one, you thought they were going to offer extensions to either Middleton or Lopez. I think Lopez, the clear answer is no. Middleton is eligible for a three year, $152.5 million extension or four years and like 200 million. It doesn't have to be the full. Would you offer the three year one? I might do like a Kyle Lowry level thing from a couple of years ago where you're doing, you're going three years, but you're staying under a hundred million total. Uh, I don't or three years, 100 million flat. Like yeah, I'm not offering Chris Middleton three, a three year max extension. I love Chris Middleton, but yeah, no, I, and his game theoretically should age well. Cause it's not really based on athleticism and he, he's always going to be able to shoot. So he does probably have plenty of leverage based off what happened after he got injured in the play. For sure. Yeah. There's no doubt that he can go to them and say, look what happens when you don't have me. Uh, and, and certainly I think at least with the big pieces, the bucks have done well to just like, we're going to spend. Um, but there's the, everyone's got a limit and they are still a small, small market team even, and they've got the ring already. So it's kind of like, Maybe there's less urgency. I don't know. I think Lopez, no, no chance for an extension. I would like, it sucks for the, the continuity and the chemistry. And you might just get Giannis saying you, I will not allow it. But uh, I think Lopez as a trade candidate, like makes perfect sense. I think if Charlotte wants to improve its defense, because Steve Clifford is the coach there now, even just for Kelly Oubre, um, I think is not the craziest thing in the world. Probably Charlotte has to give up a little more, but um, something like that, where you just, just get me a wing. I know I can play um, that can guard and, and do stuff off the ball. Um, and, and let me, I'll just play Giannis at center. I think I'm comfortable with that going forward. So I think that that's, that to me is like the clearest way for a team that doesn't have a lot of avenues to, to get better. I had that exact trade mapped out. Also, the other tar- the last target I had from Milwaukee, Thaddeus Young. I would expect mm-hmm. that he'll get more from Toronto, but if he falls into the mini MLE territory, uh, not the perfect one, and it falls to how many wings is he defending, but if you want to downsize, he's more valuable than Bobby Portis. And I don't even want to say downsize, but if you want to go the non-traditional center lineup route. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple other, though, Brooke Lopez destinations. DeAndre Ayton leaves Phoenix, and I don't know what the return is going to be on him, but if they don't get a big back, Brooke Lopez for Jay Crowder. Oh, I like, yeah, same idea. I like that. Someone that's going to, I mean, Crowder even at least. There, there need to be on, another. The shooting too. Does there need to be another moving part in there? Let me double check. No, there actually does not, unless I'm way off on Brooke Lopez's salary in my sheet. No, that's that would work. Lopez. Yeah, so that could work. The other one I had, I don't know what San Antonio is doing. Brooke Lopez for Josh Richardson. Just exchanging yeah. expiring contracts. And if you still have Jakob Pertle there, like is Brooke Lopez a backup five is. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Yeah. You just got to go big for big for a wing. Uh, which, know, is, even a combo ex- forward. which is extremely hard to do. Right. Anything else for you on this team? I really, while I do think the depth needs to come in the form of probably, I, I want to see them get another wing, but they could use like a backup guard. Who's the upgrade over George Hill. Maybe that's just Javon Carter. They just need depth though um, to help them navigate any potential absences or minutes where they don't have their full, uh, stable star power on the court. Yeah, I don't have any other specific targets. I, I agree with what, what you said there. 
This was great. Thank you, everyone who made it this far for listening. We did it in under an hour, so we're kind of on the pace that we're supposed to be. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Join our Discord, the links to which are in all of our descriptions. Follow us on the socials. Grant is Podcast Description Social Account Official. It took me longer to say that than to just tell you to follow at GT underscore Hughes. Until next time, we leave with a shout-out to the one, the only, the free agent who actually wouldn't be a bad fit on any of these five teams in the Central Division, Frank Nielakina. <laughs>